Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. God help you if you use voiceover in your work, my friends. God help you. It's flaccid, sloppy writing. I don't want you to be the guy in the PG-13 movie everyone's really hoping makes it happen. I want you to be like the guy in the rated R movie, you know? The guy you're not sure whether or not you like yet. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I'm Jeremy Fisk and I'm joined by Chapin Hemingway and Lee Carlo. We got a double feature for you guys today as we're going to be talking about uh, director Joel Edgerton's Boy Erased and uh, Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade. And our top five are going to be top five teenage performances in films. Jared. I want you to do well. I want you to have a great life. I love you. But we cannot see a way that you can live under this roof if you're going to fundamentally go against the grain of our beliefs. Jared, tell me the truth. That's all. I think about men. I don't know why. And I'm so sorry. All right, so these two movies are nicely paired together because they're kind of coming of age stories um, about dealing with social pressures or just sort of family outside pressures. But my question to you guys is they're sort of unique in that eighth grade is about a young girl who's trying to navigate um, being that age also in, in the age of social media, while uh, Boy Erased is about a young man who comes from a very conservative religious family who puts him into uh, what's it called? Gay therapy? Yeah, like a scared they... straight kind of situ- situation. Gay conversion program is yeah. the actual... Yeah, so in a gay conversion program as he sort of wrestles with his um, sexuality. So how, I guess my question to you guys is like, how, what anchored you guys into this? Because here we are, we're 30 something uh, men. 30s, we're 30s. 30s, we're just 30s (laughs) uh, something men who obviously we've been through eighth grade, but we've never had to deal with growing up in the social media era and <clears throat> although lee and i grew up in somewhat religious families we um we aren't gay and we never had to go through this um conversion therapy so these two stories are they're different but where do where do, what anchored you into these stories and let's start with boy erased for you guys so for me boy erased i actually was really looking forward to seeing i um uh i just felt like this was you know i i mentioned last week how we're a little bit overrun with you know movies commenting on things going on in the world today and you know homosexuality and the acceptance of that is certainly one of those things and so but contrary to that in a way like i was i was sort of interested in this movie because i felt like it was approaching something that hadn't really been explored yet in the with this gay conversion program you know uh 
and, you know, someone coming out to their very religious family. Like, I feel like, you know, the, the, the gay high schooler has been explored in some fashion or another through movies and within different genres. But I, I feel like we haven't seen this movie yet. And I was really looking forward to it. I thought the cast was was really attractive as well. Um, and I thought, you know, this is something that could really, um, you know, say something about what the world we're living in. And like, and I think that was the intention here and whether or not that was successful is something we'll get to. But I honestly, I thought my biggest thing was that this was something that needed to be explored and hadn't been explored. And I was looking forward to that. That's a really nice point, Lee. I like that a lot. Um, I was a little bit reminded of a, the conversation we had, must have been nearly a year ago, um, on our hotly disputed uh, Three Billboards podcast. But um, And that is that I'm just kind of fascinated with the idea of you know life in sort of this part of the world and more conservative Southern um, America and you know kind of how different it is from our lives. And um, <clears throat> I thought a really nice element of this movie was that uh, you don't really have a, f- a good sense of when this is taking place. So, um, I know the real story, I think t- took place quite a while ago, but, um, you know, the movie does a good job of not kind of placing it at any particular time. So it could feel of the moment. Um, and I'm just in, you know, I, I the idea that these places could exist, you know, in my kind of, uh, social environment in, in, you know, where I live and I'm sure in, uh, liberal Massachusetts it's the same way is you know kind of abominable and and uh hard to imagine but you know in our same country with the same set of laws and you know this this sort of strange connection we have with you know people in a completely different part of the uh, of the country that we're all Americans this can still exist and still does um was well, is is fascinating to me and I agree with you Lee like I I I was you know, interested to learn about it in a, in a kind of a real way. I've seen it mocked on like, um, uh, I think, it, I think it was Bruno. Um, the, the, the Sasha Baron Cohen movie, he interviews some guys who claim to be able to do this and it, it's sort of seen as absurd, but you really get to kind of a, a, an insight into how, how these things work. Um, which was fascinating. I thought. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the subject matter for sure is interesting. Um, but how did Edgerton do as a filmmaker converting this story to an audience that either has familiarity to it or does not? Terribly. Okay, elaborate. <laughs> I, well, as a filmmaker, I start actually really with the script. I thought the script was horrible and everything stemmed off from there. I and I mean, I, I just left this movie being like, okay, to what end? Like, what did we learn here? What is this movie trying to tell us? Like, it, 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 it the captions at the end basically did everything that the two-hour movie tried to do um, and tell you that, okay, conversion programs don't work. They're bad, but they're happening, and thousands of kids are going to them. Okay. Uh, I got nothing out of this movie. I felt like... This, every scene felt so unearned. I felt like nothing had a lasting impact. Even, spoiler alert, there's a suicide had no impact. And I just, I was like, this is not working for me. And I, well, I don't, it really I don't know if it script. didn't, I don't know if like it didn't have impact because, uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that's it. it. Just didn't, it didn't work in the script. I mean, here's the thing. I, I thought this movie 
had its heart in the right place. But what what about it didn't you see coming or didn't know where it was going? Well, I I have have an answer to that. I don't necessarily agree with you. Okay, well, the only thing for me was I was 95% on the fence that Nicole Kidman's character was going to turn, but I wasn't 100%. But like that suicide, I knew that was coming as soon as that that fake funeral scene happened. I knew that was going to be the next step. Um, and everything, like like Lee said, everything about it is like, yes, this is terrible, and it's a story that needs to be told, and I truly believe that it needs to be told, but <clears throat> how can a director make it a bit more, I guess, Cinematic, surprising? Like- or, well, surprising, just like I knew everything that was going to unfold before it unfolded. Where, What could he have done differently to sort of engage me a little bit more where I didn't just know how this was going to go and where it was going to go. I mean, he had he had Nicole Kidman, he had Russell Crowe, he had himself. I mean, he had these great actors, and we can talk about the performances after. Um, but that wasn't even enough to really turn the story to surprise any uh, audience member in any sort of way. So I don't know what the answer is, what he could have done differently, because I do feel like it's a story that needs to be told. And it wasn't a bad movie, but it was just kind of there it was kind of per- it was definitely predictable and it was kind of like here it is it felt like a march movie like a movie that comes out in march and like in march seems like it's pretty good and then you forget about it come october yeah well, it surprises you yeah. capen do what, what did you you didn't feel it was you knew what was happening well, at every step i i was uh, very intrigued with the way it started um i i, I think it, it kind of jumped right into things which i thought was was nice i i like that I, I and i and for a while for like the first 30 minutes i was like i don't know where this is going you know you always think about the notes you're going to make for the the podcast and that was my takeaway was uh i'm you know i, I for the first time i don't really see where this is going i i will admit with to, i will agree with you guys that it, it did feel I don't know that formulaic is the right word or predictable, but um, I, I agree. It wasn't formulaic. It wasn't like predictable. A, it was, it was just, just kind of like a smaller movie than than I imagined, right? And you feel like I feel like we, you know, with these bigger subject matters, with um, you know that we we talked about it last week, like these more sort of political and social um, focus of these movies uh, this year. The canvas is a little bigger, and you look at things a little bit bigger. But this movie is just is just smaller. It's not, it's not. It you know not only are the kind of the scenes and the in the canvas of it, the scale of it is small, but also the ideas are a little small. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way. I just mean like, um, you know, they aren't they aren't trying to really you know say a, a whole lot. They aren't trying to do like what Vice does or what or you know what some of the other movies we talked about. Um, you know, last week, it's just, it's just this small story. And I'll admit, you know, it might not kind of live up to the sort of horrible kind of, um, fact that the movie tells you at the end of the movie. Um, and maybe that's something we should discuss further, but to me, it, 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 it was just a smaller movie and well, yeah. So I, I, I agree. And I think actually one thing that I did like about this movie is how it, how it handled sort of the built-in drama that exists within these characters, specifically uh, within Jared with Lucas Hedges. You know, there's obviously drama there, and then there's drama, you know, in you know his family being so religious, and then of course just the 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 program in and of itself. And they 
they handled that with a, a nice subtlety. There were no villains here. Everyone had good intentions, and that felt genuine. And I think that's kind of what you referenced. I, I disagree with that. I think that Joel Edgerton's character is pretty much a villain in this. Well, but I, as far as his parents, I would agree. Yeah, well, there's no villains uh, there. So we can argue that. But my my point is that, and, and maybe you feel differently, Jeremy, because you do think Edgerton was on the on the side, like um, bordering a villain in some way. But as much as I sort of liked that had it showed everyone's you know intentions being good and that there weren't cliches and stereotypes in this movie it lacked drama because of that you almost needed a a a, a worst case scenario and a, a bigger villain to allow you to kind of side with someone like i i found myself sort of refreshed oddly in certain scenes where you know um even that scene towards the end when when Jared is trying to leave and his mother comes and picks him up and and yeah um Victor Sykes sort of kind of locks him in but like he does seem like he is concerned and like he's he he has a a a well-intentioned reason for keeping him there like I was sort of refreshed by that but I was also like okay but this isn't working like who am I supposed to be rooting for here and as a movie cinematically it leaves you sort of again like I said to what end like what am I watching like and it was like you said Jeremy sort of a movie that is just kind of there yeah, and I, I think it's interesting, Chapin, that you bring up um, the fact that, you know, we like to talk about these movies that are that are sort of from middle America and it's exploring a different side of uh, a country we're all part of, we're all Americans, but it's, it's definitely something that's a little bit foreign to us. Um, but it's interesting how the director slash actor Edgerton, uh, Kidman, Russell Crowe, uh, are all yeah. foreigners. All, I mean, two are from Australia, one's from New, born in New Zealand. So I think it maybe that could have something to do with uh, miscommunication or, you know, um, loss well, of... maybe, but I got to imagine that there's some version of this that exists everywhere. I mean, you know, being gay and being religious aren't exclusive to yeah but it was a very <laughs> I, I do feel like it is a very american story i agree oh, yeah. i agree but it doesn't mean that there's not an insight into you know this this viewpoint you know from these directors and actors but i, I don't disagree with what you're saying i just feel like that i don't know that that's the reason yeah, I mean, it I was, do feel it, like there was a disconnect, though. But it was it was kind of the opposite of like what we pointed out with three billboards, which was that you know, uh, I, I I felt like Martin McDonough kind of did take what you would think would be the foreigner way of interpreting an you know an American story, which is kind of you know broad stereotypes and um, you know sort of a lack of subtlety. Whereas you know, I think it seems like what you guys are saying is Edgerton kind of went the opposite way and maybe a little too yes. far. Um, I agree. But I, you know, I, I did think that there was something to the idea of him, you know, uh, toning the story down. I, I, I do think I heard this and I, 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 you know, I heard it sort of secondhand. So I don't know. I didn't have this confirmed. I didn't read it, but I heard it from other people who saw it that the, you know, it's the, the guy, um, Lucas Hedges plays, you know, wrote, he wrote the book that the movie is based on. So it's a real story. Um, and he, you know, the, the, the author went through that experience, but I think it was actually the, the, uh, the gay conversion therapy was actually a lot worse than they depicted on, on, in the movie, which is interesting. It seems strange you would tone it down for the movie, but what I thought was effective was that, um, 
you get uh, an idea of kind of what it's like to feel um i think the way lucas hedges character felt amongst his family you know he he obviously came from a a loving family who have these you know conflicting strange beliefs that you know we don't believe in um and you you get that you understood i felt in in kind of a kind of a compressed timeline this idea that you know as a kid you you feel like and i think these families feel like like something is just wrong with you it's like you're you have a disease or something and um the idea that these 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 places exist where you can kind of scare that away from you or you can be it can be treated in therapy you know, it's it, the, that that idea that there's a solution to this thing that you feel is terrible about yourself and that you don't fit into the into your community. You really get the, the sense of like how kind of like, you know, otherwise good people, you know, fall into these traps. Like to me, I like I began the podcast. I, I have no like, you know, connection or understanding to the to how these places could exist in, you know, the same country I live. But what I thought Edgerton did a great job of doing was making you understand how these people feel. And um, like I said on the about Hitler on the last podcast. Oh God, um, it creates human beings. You though. know, it yeah, it does. It makes you it makes you kind of understand understand these people and, and the complexities of of this subject matter. And I'm not saying I had any sympathy for them, but I mean and I think it's interesting that the character that Joel Edgerton played, you know, is now in a happy homosexual marriage. And so, I mean, why not tell that story? That sounds like a more interesting story. But, you know, like, this is a very complex subject. And yep. um, I, yes. I, I think, I think you know, to heighten the drama, if you're going to make a movie about that, heightening the drama and the family situation and making it, you know, understandable to people, I think is is an effective way of telling the story. So I think, yeah. to a certain extent, he played this safe. Like the like what you mentioned about Victor Sykes, Joel Edgerton's character, that was the most impactful, long-lasting, uh, effective thing that this movie had, and it came in the caption at the end. And I just feel like if he dove in headfirst into one or both of these sort of things that he explores being the conversion program and the family dynamic, I think that a lot more would have come out of this movie. Like everything was like sort of scratched the surface and was just interesting enough. You know, I, I thought that the, the family dynamic and this loving, caring parents of Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe was, was interesting. And like, even Lucas Hedges, like, con, like, you know, self-conflict with this, like he says, you know, I, I think about men. I don't know why. Um, all that's there, but it never is fully explored. And then the same thing with so, the, with the flip side, the conversion program isn't as bad as it perhaps was in real life. Why not? You know, go for it. Well, so basically, do you think that Edgerton didn't give this movie enough sort of dichotomy? Like, a lot of times we praise movies for having the blurring the lines and just sort of keeping it in the middle and, and you know, seeing the good and the bad and the, the bad and the good. But here, I, I think we had a problem that he kept it straight in the middle and that he didn't blur, you know, he, di he didn't have enough evil or enough, you know, forces going up against each other in a, in a very sort of simple way that we couldn't grasp onto anything. Do you feel like that's what we're kind of... A, a little bit, but and if we're going to be prescri prescriptive in a way, like, uh, it, it would be okay to, you know, not have 
a villain. Like I said, I sort of liked that about the movie, but that doesn't mean that the conversion program can't be worse to watch. You know, it felt like, it, it, you know, I don't know, this might sound insensitive, but it felt like gay conversion program light to me. Yeah, it, it, I, I was surprised that it felt that way. I mean, there were some terrible things they did in that in that right that were depicted but it did it did not it was not as bad as i was expecting um and i'm sure that there you know there may be places where gay conversion therapy is a lot more aggressive and and maybe it is actually the the real story was worse as i said i think i think people thought it was uh, that it was toned out a little bit i I don't know for sure but um well there also might be gay conversion programs that are are sensitive and not aggressive but the problem is there's scenes in this movie where uh lucas hedges sits down with another person there and the 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 lights are dark and it's eerie and sinister and they try to create this like uh, this like uh terrible place but that's contrary to everything else that we've seen about these well-intentioned people so I, I, i couldn't pick one I was basically, there were points where I was watching this and I was wondering if certain um, people, people who believe in this stuff, if they were watching the same movie, if they would see it differently. Like if they would be like, yes, good, I'm glad he's there, I'm glad he's doing this. Like it was, it, it, it towed the line so much. I think somebody who was, who's pro-conversion therapy could watch most of this movie and be like, I didn't see anything wrong with it. I'm on it, you know, like I'm well, on that side. It's interesting you brought that up because just a couple things that I heard from Joel Edgerton, like he he made a lot of choices in directing this movie to try to avoid it coming across as some liberal Hollywood guy making a movie about you know um, you know about being gay being okay like he because obviously he feels like it's important that you know a, a certain category of people for lack of a better term see this movie and not write it off as, you know, liberal bullshit. So, you know, I do think that the intentions were there for people to watch this movie and not have that reaction that you're saying and say, oh, this is, you know, good thing he went there. It's his own damn fault that it didn't work. He shouldn't have left. Like, I think he wants to see... I, I think but does he wants that make a good see, movie? And I think it doesn't, right? No, it that's doesn't. What we're kind and, of and that's kind right of now? what I keep falling back on. Like, you have to be cinematic. You, the drama has to be there. As a movie, and we say it all the time, a movie is a movie is a movie, regardless of your subject matter, those pieces have to be in place. And if that means you have to create some drama, then you have to create some drama. Hey guys, uh, it's Kayla back with another video. So, the topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard. And it's like, aren't I always being myself? And yeah, for sure. But being yourself is like not changing yourself to impress someone else. A lot of people like call me quiet or shy or whatever. But I'm not quiet. Most quiet, Kayla Day. I don't talk a lot at school, but if people talk to me and stuff, they'd find out that I'm like really funny and cool and talkative. By the way, I like your shirt a lot. It's like so cool. What? It's interesting you you say if you have to create some drama, then you have to create some drama. When comparing that to Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade, because there's a movie I think you could you could almost argue the same thing because you're dealing with this uh, microcosm of a story. It's about a girl who's trying to just sort of 
get through school and make friends and is dealing with living in a life that's all about social media and, um, you know, the popularity is based on likes and things like that. And in my opinion, he was able to make that dramatic, which I think is a feat in, a, in and of itself. I mean, Boy Erased, you actually kind of have a dramatic subject and Edgerton kind of muted it down and wasn't able to make it dramatic, whereas Bo Burnham, he took a subject matter that's maybe on the surface um, a bit, I don't know, just So before we simple. go into eighth grade too much, can yeah. we answer your opening question in regards to eighth grade? Yes, I would love to. So because I, I sort of, like with this one, it was sort of the opposite. Like as much as I was looking forward to Boy Erase, like eighth grade was a movie like I, 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 I couldn't take seriously lo- like looking at it, you know, and it, it reminded me of my reaction to like that I mentioned to you guys about um, when I was watching the beginning of ba- uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs and I was like this goofy Looney Tune at the beginning. I'm taking super seriously. Like how do the Coen brothers do that? Yeah. Where we're here with eighth grade, like I'm like, all right, Bo Burnham, like YouTube star, let's see what you got. Like I'm not impressed. Like, and I even after the fact, like I still for some reason have that reaction. So like I was like, I, who is this guy? Like I, I, it to me it didn't feel like a real movie in that sense. Like it didn't feel like a real filmmaker, and and so I had so such. I don't know that I had little expectation for the movie because I was still looking at a 90-point Metascore. So, you know, I trust that to a certain extent. But I just had my hesitations with this movie. I'm like, okay, what could this possibly be? And you felt that way after? Well, I don't know. I, I For some reason, I can't let go of the Bo Burnham YouTube star thing. I don't I, even, I didn't even know. I never even heard of him before like, this. Yeah, if you didn't know who he was, like, why would that matter? It doesn't. It doesn't. And it's totally unfair because if I'm going to get into it, I think he has, like, an amazing directorial instinct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I do, too. I, it, I that has it nothing a... to do with my opinion of the movie. Um, that was just to answer your opening question of what draws right. you to these movies. It's It was not him. Like, in fact, he was pushing me away from this movie. I know very little about him either. I haven't seen his stand-up. I just sort of know his reputation. I, and I just kept hearing myself as... Uh, as as Matt Damon in The Departed being like, okay, Bo. Well, my, my question my question was more about what anchored you to it once you saw it. Like, for me, um, with Boy Erased... Yeah, there, we didn't ask you what, it, why you were hesitant yeah. to watch it and hated it. Okay, like for, well, With Boy Erased, it, for me, to answer my own question, it actually ended up being Nicole Kidman's performance. Um, really? I thought, yeah, I thought she was she was actually really good in this it was for what was a a very simple role on on the surface she's the only one well i guess russell crowe did too but um she really sort of gave that character a life and i really was rooting for her to to come around on it and the way she did in that that scene was probably the the best part of that movie for me Hmm. yeah and that scene was good and she was good in that scene other than that i was actually unimpressed with her in that movie, um, I, I, I thought Russell Crowe was distracting. Like, I don't know. He's all right. Was, I got a question. I got a question about so Russell. <laughs> yeah, is that what? Did he do that for the role? Or is I don't that know. Just Russell I don't Crow think so. Now? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But 
But anyhow, let's move on to eighth grade. Um, and, and the answer to the question for me on eighth grade was absolutely Elsie Fisher's yes, performance. Elsie Fisher uh, is the answer. One of my favorite performances of the year by far. Wow. Like, yeah, she just... I agree. Yeah, she had this, uh, like, sense of innocence and urgency to just try to fit in and... Uh, it was. It just felt so genuine, and you were just kind of rooting for her. Hmm. And she was funny, and this movie just had, like, was able to have a sense of humor about it. And I don't know, like, that's the answer. All, it's Elsie Fisher. This movie yeah. lives and dies on her. As much as and I sort of liked so great. what Bo Burnham did, it was that's the answer. Yeah, Japen. Yeah, I liked her. I, I I almost thought she was like not good because she was so good. You know what I mean? Like she's so awkward. <laughs> and, oh, it's painfully awkward. But they do yeah, that so well. They, they do, do this painful so well. awkwardness so well in this movie. Um, and yeah, I thought she was dynamite. I mean, the whole movie is her. It's like literally, you you, you, you there's never a scene she's not in it. And she acted the shit out of Josh Hamilton, who sucked as her dad. Oh, I thought that was oh, a poorly yeah. written character too. But he was terrible. Yeah, wow. I mean, the, you didn't you liked him. I mean, he was fine. I he didn't bother me in it. Um, but I thought I, he was go, more painfully awkward than she was. To go back to Burnham, Jesus. I just thought he was so good at um, finding this like niche specific um, subject matter and just sort of getting into it. Like, I don't know how he did it. Well, so. For me, it was it's more specific than that. Even like you know, there's been a lot of uh, talk about his use of music and how he does that and has it like very in the forefront and things like that and, and the choices he make, which are perhaps you know ahead of his time in terms of his experience as a director. But there was one scene in particular that that when I said, "Wow, this guy's got some good directorial instinct," and I even said exactly that in my head, and it was when they were when her dad was driving her to meet her high school friends at the mall and the whole time the shot is on her and she just keeps telling her dad to stop being weird and don't talk and be weird and you know what you know the scene i'm talking about yeah yep the whole time it's on her it would have been so easy to cut away at you know her dad making some goofy face or like trying not to be awkward which he continuously failed at and maybe this was a happy accident because he didn't want to put the camera back on him but i just thought it was it was smart to stay on her and watch her anxiety just kind of continued to snowball for no reason which was just so genuine and authentic for an eighth grader to be going through riding to the mall to get dropped off with their friends by her by her dad like i just felt like that was such a smart choice and and that was when i was like this guy knows what he's doing like you know that wasn't somebody or maybe it was but that wasn't somebody tapping him on the shoulder saying no you don't cut here you just keep it on her the whole time yeah you know that's not i mean abc filmmaking Exactly, and he was able to find those moments throughout the whole film, and to be able to capture what it's like to be in eighth grade, um, is, I don't. It's really difficult, and uh, on top of it, then to layer what kids these days are going through with social media and all that stuff, and not to dismiss it because it's easily dismissed. And even like the first like ten minutes of this movie, there are points where I'm like kind of rolling my eyes like oh instagram and she's got to make a youtube like but he doesn't dismiss it as a director or a writer and he lets these characters deal with these problems on a very real level that 
I I don't know. I just thought he did a really good job with with showing the audience like realistically what that's like. So what's interesting to me is that and going back to kind of comparing these two movies is uh, take Elsie Fisher out of the equation who I think was amazing in this movie um, but you know a lot of the other kid actors in this movie came across as inexperienced um, they weren't necessarily bad but they weren't necessarily good but it didn't matter because of that authenticity that he created in this movie you know not Jake Ryan that kid was hilarious who, who's that he was the one that was he was the swimming partner that kept going and diving yeah he and was the kid was hilarious and the, she went she went on the, the day nuggets, the nuggets with at the end and he's like i like all sauces equally yeah, yeah yeah and then he had he had his archery certificate out on the table <laughs> that, and i love that he's like, like oh, it's stupid it, did i leave he totally it was uh, did so i leave funny. that there <laughs> um <laughs> anyway yeah but uh, it, for the most part i felt like you know the the, the kid performances in this movie you know, perhaps left something to be desired, but I wasn't desiring it because I felt like everything was authentic and everything worked within the context of the scene. Everything felt very real to me and genuine to me. Or on the flip side, Boy Erased, with some of the most uh, accomplished actors working today, did not have that sense of authenticity. They felt like performances, and they felt like they were working too hard to get a point across. And that's well, what we I didn't, didn't even like talk about, about Lucas Hedges. And I know Lee, you're not a huge fan of him How- i would like to yeah talk about him a little bit i i mean i think this is the best i've seen him but i was not impressed i don't know what the excitement is around this kid like i thought he was bad in manchester by the sea which he got nominated for an oscar for um i thought he was pretty bad in three billboards and here i did i thought he was fine but i'm unimpressed in comparison to the the acclaim he's getting yeah i mean he's sort of like an an everyman kid you know and i think that sells it a little bit more as far as like you know, what he can get away with um because you can kind of just put the camera on him and he's just sort of acting as a person you know and yeah. i don't know if that makes and any sense i think sense. sometimes that works that worked in the scene when he comes out to his parents i felt like that you know felt genuine and but you know again like uh, that's a meaty role <laughs> yeah but i also think like elsie fisher is a per- like she's a perfect everyman uh teenager you know yeah, like no, or eighth true. grader she's like and but she just kills it she's just in in her comedy chops were were really great um she kind of like if, if i had to pick obviously if i had to pick between the two performances she just like knocks it out of the park yeah totally and she in that I mean, you can write it off as like, oh, she's just playing an eighth grader, but that's an equally, if not more difficult role to play. Oh, yeah. To get Good all luck. those likes and you knows and ums in there yeah. and make it work is not easy. Like, that, you know what I mean? Like, that's a tough role. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 want, oh, I wonder what his process, no, I just wonder what his, pro- like, Bo Burnham's process was for her, like, how he sort of uh, directed her on an individual basis because I'm, I'm sure like it uh, it couldn't have all just kind of come from her it had to sort of be more organic than that and i'd be curious to to see how he did it yeah i don't know yeah well the one thing i wanted to sort of say that i took away from the um from eighth grade was i kind of felt that it was like a perfect movie for our time And I don't mean that just in the sense that it's about, you know, social media, which I think that is something we should talk about. But um, 
I it just felt like the perfect kind of digital rental to me. You know, it, it's a small movie. It's a small budget. It doesn't have any sexy stars in it. It's a you know, it's about kids. It's kind of got like I said, and not in a pejorative way. It's small ideas, and it was just like the perfect little movie to watch. You know, to rent and. I feel like, like, you know, this is a unique time where these things can exist, you know, where these movies are getting funding and they don't need to have huge budgets and they can just be, they can just kind of be small. And, um, I, I, I really enjoyed the movie and, but I, you know, I, I was kind of, it was kind of refreshing that it wasn't, you know, about more than, you know, what the title suggested was, it was literally just that transition to high school and, yeah. um, you know, but that is such a rough time for. Oh people. no, I I'm not saying that it's not. I I just think that like, it's it's like when. It, I mean, not me, obviously, obviously. Yeah, you were a super cool guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, imagine yeah. I didn't have the pleasure of knowing you then, but um, no, yeah. actually, in all honesty, you'd probably was one you, of the you, roughest times for me. You might have heard of him at that point. Jay, yeah, and, yeah. You know, the word was out. But but you know what you know what I mean like like. I, I, I think I generally have a preference for movies that, uh, and and I think we acknowledge and praise movies for you know both taking bold steps, but also like kind of you know reaching for you know ha- having big ideas and 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 you know maybe if they don't always deliver a uh, you know a, a sort of a cathartic statement or you know a transcendence uh, about those big ideas we compliment them for for trying and i i i found it refreshing that this movie didn't try to do that and that it kind of knew what it was and and um i know i'm not trying to minimize the transition to high school it's a tough time and i think they captured that beautifully and perfectly it just it 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 wasn't a it it didn't kind of you know it, it was just allowed to be this what it was you know that's not a very articulate way a, of saying that. But yeah. you think that's a good thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 so I, don't, I, think I don't think movies necessarily need to be, you know, ha- have like, you know, these highfalutin ideas. They can be, they can be small. And especially, in, in, you know, I, maybe if we had, you know, maybe Lee, if you and Lydia went to this movie and paid for a babysitter and paid for parking and, you know, this is the one movie you got to see for three weeks. You might not feel as, as I mean, you probably would have never seen it given the, your introduction to it. But also if you had <laughs> seen it, you may have felt it was a waste of, you know, however much money that, that costs you. Well, what's, what's interesting real quickly on that point is, is I, I watched it again this week when I knew we were going to discuss it. I had seen it, I don't know, in the fall or at some point then. And it, it I liked it, but it sort of was forgettable to a certain extent. And I don't know why the circumstances then were different than they are now when I really enjoyed this movie. But, you know, it I think it does sort of speak to your, you know, it's a great rental. Like, I just watched this sort of casually. I'd seen it, so I was doing other things while it was on. Um, and I enjoyed it a whole lot more than when I invested my time in it. So, it, you know, it's kind of the point you were making about, you know, if you're going to you know, spend the $20 on the night out and so on and so forth. And it it might not be as satisfying, but when you kind of just sit back and take it in casually, it it does. But the other point I wanted to make, which I think is sort of amazingly ironic, considering the kind of tonal nature of these two films, um, in despite like what you said, Jeremy, that neither one of them are really particularly targeted to us in this way, but 
eighth grade, I think, is is enormously more therapeutic than Boy Erased for you know an eighth grader versus a uh, you know a gay teenager. Do you guys agree? Sure. I mean, we can. Because, yeah, it's I more mean, universal can, for yeah, sure. Relate to it more. Well, I don't yeah. even. I'm not even talking about like its universality. Like, I just think like the the quality of the filmmaking. Like, I th- I feel like eighth grade can speak to an eighth grader better than Boy Erase can speak even to, and this you know maybe this is not the case, but to a gay kid that went to a conversion program. Like, I just feel like the quality of the film does a better job of speaking out. I mean, I mean, maybe yeah. it's hard to tell. Well, of course it is because it's not. We're not either one yeah. of those things. But I don't know. I think the the, the melodrama of Boy Erased didn't play quite as well as sort of the, you know, levity that Bo Burnham brought to 8th grade. Yeah, well, where where I'll agree with you for sure is that, like, 8th grade was one of my, even though it was very cringy at points, it was one of the more enjoyable uh, experiences I've had watching a movie this year, for sure. It was just an easier sort of fun but important experience watching a movie and I think you got to give them all the credit in the world for that and I don't know of any other director that could really toe that line the way he did it's not it's not an easy subject matter it's not a very cinematic subject matter well it totally took and this goes back to what I said about him being a YouTube star like it took a YouTube star to understand the social media element of this movie like it took somebody who's grown up in that yeah, and I, I like this sort of is an example of of how impressive his work is because I want to talk. We have to talk about this so, social media aspect of this film, but it's a tough conversation for us to have and be interesting. Yet he somehow made a movie that makes it interesting. Yes, and other movies have tried to incorporate social media and i don't know necessarily to this extent like it's it's a there's a lot of it in it she has her uh, youtube channel you know constantly communicating with you know her her classmates on instagram um you know the, the she's always looking at her phone and it's all very and the importance and of the validation of it like that's i think that what what he sort of gets as is how important it is for these kids for their self-esteem and their validation to yeah, he doesn't stick his nose up at it. Like no, he doesn't. Oh, kids he, on their cell phones. Yeah, no, which I yeah, think is interesting. It, 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 he did a great job of saying this is just. It's like this is just a part of life now. It's like. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? It's 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 not odd. It's sort of you know. It's not like oh, this is a fleeting kind of. You know, uh, a fleeting idea. So you know, this is here to stay. And I thought one particular, I like I just so fully understood. Um, you know, those face filters, uh, I think they're on Snapchat, but I, they're on Instagram yeah. now too. She uses mm-hmm. one of those and I never really understood what those were for. Like, you know, as a, as a 34 year old man, I mean, I'm not <laughs> the most beautiful guy in the world, but I don't really need to look like a, well, like there a, were a couple of those. stop it. Yes, you are. But there were a couple of those that, that were always pretty fun to use, but you, you look at her and she's, you know, her skin isn't perfect, but you remember how anxious you were about your skin at that at that point you know you're looking in the mirror all the time and you're going to school and kids are judging you and so i just immediately understood like how destructive that those yeah. those kind of those kind of face uh, filters can be you know like they just seemed like 
nothing to me, you know, just kind of a folly uh, that was a new update on an app that I have. And now you can really see how they can like destroy these poor p- kids uh, self-confidence. Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect way to describe it. Um, it also reminds me of the scene where she basically wakes up, does her makeup, watches a YouTube video on how to do makeup, then gets back into bed, takes a photo right. and says, yeah, I think woke that, up like yeah, this. Yeah, that was also. It's those little, those moments that he just he just nailed. And um, yeah, a lot of credit goes to him because it was also very, like some of the funniest scenes of, of the year came from this movie totally. too. And, and just uh, like like I was saying it in the um, in the Roma podcast when I was like oh god don't give her back the baby I was in this one I was like oh god Katie I can't watch this like this is oh. yeah yeah exactly yeah. one had a dead baby and this one yeah. had a girl pretending to give a blowjob to a banana and both were just as cringeworthy oh god. <laughs> But at the same time, like we we haven't even addressed that, like the sexuality part of eighth grade and uh, that moment. Well, there's, there's a lot of scenes that cover it. Yeah, that. yeah, exactly. That moment in kids' lives where they're sort of figuring that stuff out, and he does a great job of presenting that without presenting it in a way that's either too dark or creepy or weird. He does just so. I don't. I might disagree a little bit with that. the truth or dare scene in the car. It's a little dark there. Yeah. I felt like it. It was a different movie to it. Like it didn't. I don't know that. Yeah, like dark might be the right word for it. Like it didn't feel like it was appropriate. And I, it's totally a. I think it's an important scene to have in the movie for her character. Um, I don't know. It just didn't come across with the same sort of tone as the rest of the movie. And maybe that was intentional, but it didn't work as well. Do not swear. Although I joy in me, I have no joy of this contract tonight. It is too rash, too unadvised, too sudden, too like the lightning which just ceased to be ere one can say it lightens. Sweet good night. Spud of love, my summer's ripening breath may prove a beauteous flower when next we meet. Good night. Oh, wilt thou leave me so unsatisfied? What satisfaction canst thou have tonight? The exchange of thy love's faithful vow for mine. I gave thee mine before that stood requested! Our top five is top five teenage performances, and I said they had to be a teenager when they did it um so i kind of marked how old they were when the movie came out but if mm. so basically they had to be at least 14 when the movie came out or what about else 13 they wouldn't be no because they would have been 12 the oh. yeah they would have been 12 when they made it okay i no, yeah so yeah i did it i did it they had to be a teen when they made it so the I same, know, anything, same. Yeah. anything so close, I, guess I looked into filming dates, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's the same thing. So yep. that being said, uh, Lee, why don't you kick us up? Kick okay. us off. So uh, my number five might be a bit controversial, not necessarily amongst us, but I know that uh, she is not particularly held in high regard for her performance, but it is Kristen Stewart in Adventureland. Oh, I love that. That's a yep. great one. She was 19 yeah. at the time. 
Um, Great. The, uh, and I love this performance from her. I don't know how big of a fan I am of her as an actress, but this was one of those instances where. Uh, she was perfect for the part, and she that was my it great favorite supporting and, performance of that year. Yeah, I loved her in this movie, and I think it's because I remember we, we like back when we wrote articles. I wrote that article on my like favorite performances, and I literally started that article with sh- "shut up" because I knew people were gonna, you know, uh, say yeah. I was wrong. No so wonder we didn't get any readers right there. Jesus, <laughs> there you go. Okay, who's next? You are. Okay. Uh, my number five is, uh, and I'm doing this just to make Lee angry, uh, Jason Schwartzman in uh, Rushmore. That's a good pick. He was yes. good in that movie. I, I really like Rushmore, actually. I it's I know I'm, I, I, in case you haven't heard, not a big fan of uh, Wes Anderson, but I like that movie a lot. And I love Jason Schwartzman, so great pick. Thank How you, old sir. was he when he, they I made that? I think he was 16. He was 8. Oh, really? Oh, wow. I, yeah. I have him as 17, but it was I I thought he was 18 when he um when it was released, so maybe I was wrong. Okay. Maybe it was Anyhow, my number 5 is Anthony Michael Hall in Breakfast Club. Yeah. Great pick. He, That's a great pick. Yeah, he's he, so good in that. He was 17 when that movie was made and he's the rest of them were 30. Yeah, he's the one you remember as sort of the teenager. Even you know, even though they're all supposed to be teenagers, you kind of knew that guy was the only teenager. Did he ever like? He also had, I think, yeah, a good role to perform in. Like, I don't know. I, the only other one I looked up from Breakfast Club was Judd Nelson. Um, How old was he? I think he, he was, was twenty nine, forty five. But yeah, I think that's a great pick. All right, Lebo, you're number four. Okay. Uh, my number four comes from a movie that I remember when I saw. I really one one I really liked it. I'm not sure I've seen it since. And two, I always remember it being a bit of a controversy because I think it was getting good reviews, but like the user score on IMDb back when I paid attention to that was like in the threes or something. Like it was just getting panned by audiences. Um, and it's Evan Rachel Wood in Thirteen. Oh my God, that is such a good pick. She is so yeah. good in that. I think I said she's so hot. <laughs> she's also so, no. yeah. She, yeah she was, that's an honor. It's an honor. Yeah, honorable mention for me. She was sixteen years old. Who's and her, that was a who's great her, movie. She's sixteen, but she's playing a thirteen-year-old. Right. Yeah. Who's her mother in that movie? Um, uh, Holly Hunter. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I thought. Who was also great in that movie? Yeah. Um, yeah. She, this was a really good movie, and obviously she was good in it. And but I just remember it being like. I'm looking at it now, 70 meta score, 6.8 user score. So it's all leveled out at this point. But it had like a three or something on IMDb. And I just remember this very distinctly being like, I don't understand. Like, why, what are people not liking about this movie? Um, you yeah. know, it's a it's a really interesting sort of, it would I guess, be coming it would of be age. and interesting to watch that up against eighth grade. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's a totally different oh, totally. eighth grade experience. <laughs> yeah. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. Catherine Hardwick, Twilight. So... Yeah, so she's moved on to uh, much better films. Yes. Okay. Um, my number four is an actor who, you know, really just performed, did this performance when he was young, and then we never really heard from him anymore. And that's um, Christian Bale in The Empire who? of the Sun. Don't so uh, how old was he? I looked at that. I thought he was too I young. I think he was just 13. So I looked, I think actually what I looked at was. If you look at the description of the movie, it says, or wherever I was looking, it says he was 11. 
the character no, was no, 11. No, 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 no. So I might have ignored it from that, but he was older. Uh, well, if he was 13, that's a great pick. He was Of course, it could that. be the best child performance ever. So, But it's only your number four. Interesting. Yeah. All right, my number four, he might have been... Actually, no, he wasn't the only teenager in this, but um, he, it was sort of his... Uh, introduction into the mo- movie world it was michael Sarah in super bad yeah. he was 19 <laughs> yes. at the time yeah that was another honorable mention i had that, that oh 19 at when it came out so just he was 18 at just the time. barely missed my list i that was one i really wanted to put on but i was like i was like was michael Sarah good in that or was like did we just like that movie like i don't know no, he was great in it it was michael Sarah at his prime i mean he was he totally yeah we, we knew him from arrested development before if you had watched it before which i didn't i think i watched Superbag before i ever watched arrested development um but uh yeah like no I, I agree i came to the conclusion that he is actually good and i just kept i kept thinking of the orson wells line that he has which is brilliant but like sometimes i credit that movie that? more for the writing when jonah hill says he peaked <laughs> too early you're like orson <laughs> wells Sarah's like he's like you're orson you're like orson wells i remember i saw that in a packed theater and i was the only person that <laughs> laughed and i laughed so loudly <laughs> oh so i watched that documentary by the way which one? Oh, the Orson Welles one? You love me yeah. when I'm dead? Yeah, me too. You love me when, yeah, I'm dead. That was a good documentary. We should all watch that. Okay. Did you watch the movie? Did you watch the actual movie yet? No, I'm gonna, but uh, I don't. Uh, don't, don't. Just don't. Okay. Yeah. Just don't. There's Just too many of it in. It's yeah. better left in the documentary. Yep. Okay. Um, am I up? Yes. Yep. My number three, Patrick Fugit, Almost Famous. Good pick. He's 16. Yep. He's, I'm 18. I'm 17. Actually, I'm 16. 16. Good pick. Good pick. Okay. Um, I'm going to steal this one. I thought this would be on someone's list, and maybe it is, but uh, I'm going to go with Haley Steinfeld from True Grit. Um, I remember seeing this and just being like, wow, she is the only thing I remember from that movie, and except that guy, Diane, who made a who made my top five a couple, a couple episodes ago. Um and uh she was incredible and just she stole that movie she stole the movie and especially like the way she was able to deliver that kind of deadwood-esque uh uh cohen dialogue that i mean was just so amazing so i hope i didn't steal that one from you guys but uh that's my number three um so that's a great pick and coincidentally um a couple days ago i don't know how it must have said it in the car i was with lydia and the radio was on and it must have said it on the thing that like the song that was playing was Haley steinfeld yeah um and i know she was in pitch perfect and she's a musician and like i don't know how seriously i take her and i just remember saying to lydia i was like god what a disappointment absolutely raved about her in true grit she outacted fucking jeff bridges in that movie yeah like and and this is what she chose to do and i mean more power to her i suppose but like come on like what a talent you know her first gig she it is so good in the fucking coen brothers movie yeah and she's still <laughs> and she's in the bumblebee movie which i hear is yeah. really good but um yeah, yeah well. i mean it's 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 a shame that she's not doing more work like that and i agree with you it's it's it it's sort of I, I don't understand. I mean, maybe she's got a passion for singing and good for her if she does. But like, right? That's what I mean. Like, I mean, know. she's not doing anything bad. Like, yeah. she seems to be successful. But like, you see her that good in that type of movie, and you just expect such big things for her. We probably spent that whole podcast talking about. I can't wait to see what Haley Steinfeld's going to do next. Yeah. 
and this was what it was, and that's just disappointing for me. But um, great pick. Yeah, so my uh, number three and number two have already been taken, but I'll just go with them. So my number three is also Patrick Fugit in Almost Famous. I mean, he's not good in it, but he's great in it, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. Like, he's not, a great act. he's not a great the actor. He's not a great actor. I am the enemy it. line. Like, he doesn't pull it off no, he's but not he a does great pull act. it off like and he's not a great actor in it but he's just he is that he is that character and that character is so ingrained um in my consciousness and important to me that he has to be mentioned hmm. it could be a personal pick to a certain extent kate hudson just missed the cut she was i think 21 uh when that movie came out so 20 at time of filming um, I mean, he will always be William Miller. Yep. Um, all right. My number two is, uh, I'm going to go with this. Jesse Eisenberg in Roger Dodger. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, is that on your list? I'm out of them. Literally every <laughs> other one is taken. Uh, so let's just go. Keep moving. Roger Dodger. Yeah, his first her first movie and uh, my introduction to him is great in that film. <laughs> you still have Take to go. It. Oh, is it my turn? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, my number two is, um, this is a personal favorite of mine, but it's uh, Max Perixis who plays oh, yeah. Classic. L- Lord Blakeney in Mustang Commander, the far side of the world. He's oh, the young, wow, that's he's a good he's one the young boy who good loses pick. his arm. It's such yeah. a subtle and God, kind he's of so good amazing performance. Yeah, and um, I'm surprised he was a teenager, though. He just made... Actually, yeah, he's a teen, he was a teenager. He is was. <laughs> <laughs> Still is. <laughs> it, did, did he make the cut or not? He's like, actually... Oh, yeah, he is. He was eight. What's that <laughs> I don't think... David did the research on that. No, I did, I did, I did, I did. Uh, all right, my number two is Haley Steinfeld and True Grit. Good one. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Jeremy, if, if you're going to blame anybody for stealing your Roger Dodger, it's Chapin because Haley Steinfeld was my number one. I had mm. to then move my number two to that spot and find a replacement there, which is why I went with Jesse Eisenberg. So, all of that being said, my number one is Edward Furlong in American History X. Oh wow, that's just a. But you still, even though you you had to get rid of the other number ones, you can't just have anyone. What do you mean? He, he wasn't. You don't he think he's good not, in American I history? Think he's, I don't think he's that great in that movie. Yeah, oh my I god, agree. I think he's amazing. I think he's terrible in everything else he's ever been in, but I think he's great in that. Oh, I don't think he's that good. Wow. I mean, I like the movie a lot, and it's an Ed Norton show, but... No, I think he's really good in this movie, actually. Like, I I mean, he's the little whiny bitch in the Terminator movies, and then, like, anything else he was in, like, I, he was forgettable. I, I like him in the Terminator movie. Really? Yeah. I, I think... It, I I actually think he's, like, as good as what Norton is. What happened to him? Drugs. Well, he did a ton of drugs, yeah. Um, nice. Edward <laughs> Norton, obviously, is, is <laughs> amazing, and the highlight, but I think Edward Furlong is a really good compliment to Norton in this movie. I think he plays that character great. I'm surprised mm, yes. you guys feel that way. I never knew that. Yeah, I don't think he's that great. Just made I mean, the cut. He was fine. the one I had to look up the filming dates even. He, it was filmed in March of 97. He turned 20 in August of 97, so he barely made the cut too. 
All right, interesting. Feedback at getyourfilmfishpodcast.com. Yeah. Edward Furlong's okay. performance in American History X. Okay. Uh, my number one is Alicia Silverstone in Clueless. I thought you might have this. I've still never seen this Was movie. she I know actually you're a, big fan. a teenager then? She's 16. No way. I believe so. Uh, let me verify wow. that. But Probably should have done this before okay. the... Uh, You've always, you've always been an advocate of that movie, Chapin. I have. Which is interesting. I've, I've never seen Wait, it. Wait, hold on. If that's the case, how old was Paul Rudd at that yeah. movie? Well, that, that's Paul Rudd was probably 40. Um, she was born in 76. 1995. That yeah, makes so she her was 19. So 18 at filming. Yeah. And then Paul Rudd was born in 69. So, yeah, he was 35. He was only, no, he was, that was 25. I mean, yeah, that's... No, 28, 28 or something like that. Yeah, so... That's not crazy. So I mean, not crazy. We've seen worse. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Okay, that's a great pick. Yeah, that's I mean, she... Pick. I mean, she... That whole movie is her and... and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, another disappointing kind of career. She... It's one of those weird roles where they, you know, found this perfect person. And um, I, I remember hearing stories that, like, she didn't quite, like, know everything she was saying like there was things that were a little like too sophisticated for her especially at that age and um i you know despite that she pulled it off oh yeah principal frog in 1994 so she was uh yeah she's in yeah she's 18 yeah um all right well my number one see i have honorable mentions but i can't push him up to number one so it's it's jesse eisenberg and roger dodger which i thought was you guys want to be like whoa good pull well that <laughs> was going to be dodger. an honorable mention for me though it wasn't even on my list but i was like this is the only one i can move into a number two spot if i want to keep hit like not repeat Haley steinfeld yeah roger dodger what a great idea jeremy oh i can't believe he thought of that Ooh, that's what i imagine in my head I'll, i so i need to see that movie again but I just very distinctly remember him telling, I don't put alcohol into my body. He does it better than that. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Uh, if you have any issues, if you want to email us, if you think uh, least all my picks on the top five, it's uh, feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. I like until... how you just tell people to email us with their problems. Now it's no longer be like, thanks for listening. Great like, show, guys. Now it's like, get issues with what we said. Just email us. No, they're, they're yeah, like, you know, you, I, haven't, you have I, haven't spoken to, I haven't spoken to my father in two months. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> my job's really getting me down. Anything. We'll take it. We'll talk we'll about it on the we'll podcast. We'll read them on the air. Yeah. We're not so... married to this movie theme. Yeah. Air your grievances, <laughs> All right. please. That's feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.